Hey everybody, welcome to Offbeat Wall Street. I'm Frank Miller. Every week we squeeze into our cubicles. There we go. Endure co-workers asking us about the Mondays. And we take the fax machine out to the woodshed. <laughs> All this in an effort to bring you the best information about Wall Street and the financial markets. This week, of course, we're celebrating Labor Day. So there's no better time to take a look at work and the employment market. Lucky for us, we've got some jobs data to digest. The government has just released its latest employment figure, so we'll take a look at what the numbers mean and what they say about the overall labor picture. First, though, we'll take a moment to acknowledge the tragedy in Houston and along the Gulf Coast. The region is reeling from the impact of Hurricane Harvey. We send our sincerest best wishes to all of those struggling down there, and we'll also take a moment to look at some possible economic impacts from the storm. Jobs and storm damage are only a part of what we have on tap for this week, though. We've also got one of our regular check-ins on the Federal Reserve. We'll let you know how the jobs numbers could affect interest rates and the overall economic outlook. And as always, we send our consultants to review some of the more uh, introspective employees on Wall Street. We've got some tales of accidental gouging in the wake of Hurricane Harvey. We've got a loss in the legal battle to watch movies without sex or violence. Okay. We've got a wall coming down in Westeros. Uh, we've got one maybe going up in Arizona. We've got some uh, controversy about who's going to replace a uh, supposed white supremacist on the $20 bill. That's always fun. And we've got skyrocketing prices in a consumer staple that is coming just in time for football season. And we're not talking about gas prices. This is the uh, I'm not going to go episode of Offbeat Wall Street. I, uh, I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. You're just not going to go? Yeah. Won't you get fired? I don't know. But I really don't like it and uh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so you're going to quit? Nuh-uh. Not really. Uh, I'm just going to stop going. <laughs> uh, when did you decide all of that? About an hour ago. Really? Yeah. Well, of course, the biggest news last week was the impact of Hurricane Harvey. You know, the images out of Houston and the rest of the Gulf were quite frankly harrowing. And our hearts, of course, go out to all the people who were caught in the path or maybe lost loved ones in the aftermath. Obviously, the biggest cost of the storm will be the human cost. As of Friday, the death toll from Harvey is at least 40. But beyond the human cost, there's the economic impact. We're a financial show, so as such, we're going to take a quick look at the financial impact of the storm. Now, in a wider economic sense, the most prominent short-term impact on the economy will probably come from higher gas prices. By the end of last week, prices had already started to push higher. Harvey and the related flooding forced the shutdown of refineries in Houston and along the coast of Texas. Now, these represent about 15% of the country's oil refining capacity. That means a significant drop in the available fuel supplies. There have also been reports of localized shortages hitting places like North Texas and southern states where some gas stations reported running out of fuel. The chaos surrounding the potential crisis led to some overhyped reports of skyrocketing prices. For instance, there were reports that one gas station in Texas had jacked prices up to $8.02 a gallon. This was later debunked, though. The Dallas Morning News reported the $8 price tag was the result of a computer glitch. It actually should have been $3.09. The few people who pay the $8 price were later refunded, thankfully, according to a local NBC affiliate. So $8 a gallon gas doesn't seem like a likely outcome in the near future, but prices are still pushing higher, and not just for Texas. Going into last week, the price of wholesale gasoline was sitting at around $1.65 a gallon. By late last week, the price was above two ten dollars a gallon. Meanwhile, AAA reported a rise in retail gas prices. The national average was sitting around $2.52 near the end of the week. This was up from a level below $2.35 the previous week. 
Now, beyond gas prices, there's also the damage inflicted on the coast and to Houston proper. Houston's the country's fourth or fifth largest city. Well, that's depending on how you count. It has a population of about 6 million people. By the middle of last week, the modern metropolis was at the bottom of a deluge that bordered on biblical flood levels. Of course, the extent of the damage won't be exactly known with accuracy for quite some time. But AccuWeather put out an estimate of $190 billion in total GDP hit from the storm. This would top the combined impact of Hurricanes Katrina and Sandy put together. If you would, would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least 15 minutes late. Uh, I use the side door. That way Lumberg can't see me. <laughs> and... Uh, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell but, uh, space out? Yeah. I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. Well, turning away from the tragedy in the Gulf, last week we saw the release of the government's monthly employment report. The numbers coming in well below estimates. The Labor Department said that non-farm payroll employment climbed 156,000 jobs in August. That compared to expectations for an increase of about 180,000. There was more disappointment in the report. Figures for the previous couple of months were revised a bit lower. The government's latest figures showed that job growth in both June and July were a little less than previously reported. June's number was revised down from 231,000 to 210,000. Meanwhile, July's figure was moved down to 189,000, and it had been originally reported as an addition of 209,000 jobs. So in last week's show, we reported that job growth had topped 200,000 in three of the previous four months, five out of seven months in 2017 as a whole. That scorecard has now shifted to two of the last six months with more than 200,000 jobs added. And for the year so far, just four out of eight had topped that level. That's a big turnaround from just one report, but it should be remembered that there's nothing special about 200,000. It's just a psychological barrier uh, helping to get our heads around the numbers. Still, the job figures seem notably more modest following the August report, which, of course, brings us to interest rates. The Federal Reserve is set to announce its next rate decision later this month. There's a little doubt at this point about what the Fed's going to do. The consensus on Wall Street is almost universally predicting that the central bank will leave interest rates alone for the time being. Been some weird vibes lately, though. In recent months, there's been some whispers that a Fed rate cut may be on the outside edges of a possibility at some point. That's why the jobs report is so important. A significant downturn in the labor market could raise concerns within the Fed about the wisdom of future rate hikes. With inflation still seemingly in check, a steep enough downturn could open the door for the Fed to delay rate hikes indefinitely. In extreme cases, it might even spark a more widespread discussion about rolling back some of the recent rate increases. For what it's worth, though, trading in the options market is currently suggesting a 98.6% chance that rates will hold steady through the next Fed meeting. There's about a 1.4% chance of a rate hike. And this week, we're going to get a little more info from the Federal Reserve, which could shed light on that, as the Fed is going to release its so-called Beige Book. It's a compilation of anecdotal economic information from the Fed's regional districts. Now, when the Fed says anecdotal, it means it's going to tell us the basic vibe coming from different parts of the country and not about what happened to it on the way to the store last week. Yeah. The Beige Book doesn't give hard numbers or specific information, kind of like uh, just about every other anecdote. It lets you know the basic feeling around the country. The report should give us a good look about what people are feeling going into the next Fed meeting. The central bank is set to announce its next decision on September 20th. 
Now, the Beige Book isn't the only piece of news due out this week. There's some other noteworthy economic reports set to come out. Stats are due out about factory orders, international trade, and the services sector. And it's slated to be a bit of a slow week for corporate news as a handful of recognizable names are scheduled to release their quarterly results. The earnings docket includes Dave & Buster's, Barnes & Noble, and Kroger. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Mmm, yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just, uh, forgot. But, uh, it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay? Yeah, no, I, I, I have the memo. I've got it. It's right. Hello, Phil. All right, each week we like to wander off the beaten path a little bit, take a look at some money stories that aren't, uh, well, exactly Wall Street related. Time now for our quick hit. <laughs> All right, first off, more on the subject of Hurricane Harvey. Now, we heard the story of the $8 gallon of gas. So here's another case of accidental gouging. Best Buy is apologizing after photos posted online showed cases of bottled water priced at more than $42 each. Those were on sale at a store in Houston that was hit hard by Hurricane Harvey. The electronics retailer said the pricing was the result of an employee error in a single store. That photo was widely shared on Instagram and Twitter. It showed 24 packs of bottled water marked for sale for $42.96, following which the company was accused of price gouging amid the flooding and destruction. Just for comparison, Jet.com lists a 24-pack of bottled water for just $6.79. About the price error, Best Buy said in a statement, quote, This was clearly a mistake in a single store. We feel terrible about this because as a company we are focused on helping, not hurting people affected by this terrible event, unquote. All right, moving away from the hurricane for just a bit. You know, Game of Thrones just finished its seventh season. If you're interested to see the show but are put off by all the sex, violence, and bad language, well, here's a little bad news for you. A movie filtering service called VidAngel has lost an appeal in a copyright case. The appeals court upheld a lower court ruling against the company that stopped the service from operating. VidAngel is a streaming service that allows users to stream movies after filtering out nudity and violence. However, Disney, 20th Century Fox, and Warner Brothers filed a lawsuit last year to halt the service, alleging that its practices violated copyright law. Of course, in the case of Game of Thrones, there wouldn't be, well, not much left without nudity and violence. The VidAngel versions of Game of Thrones could be about 15 minutes long and consist of only shots of people in armor staring out over castle walls. <laughs> Well, one more riff on Game of Thrones. You know, last season ended with the destruction of the wall. Whoops, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, while the Game of Thrones wall was coming down, the U.S. government was taking steps at putting its own wall up. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection Unit has announced that four companies have been shortlisted to develop prototypes of a wall to be built along the U.S.-Mexican border. President Trump said last week that he would risk shutting down the government in order to obtain funding for the building of the wall. Now, the goal of the wall, of course, is to prevent the flow of drugs and illegal immigrants into the country. Keeping out the army of the dead would presumably be an added benefit. Well, speaking of the dead, from one government agency to another, the head of the U.S. Treasury Department has refused to confirm that uh, Harriet Tubman will be the next face of the $20 bill. In an interview with CNBC Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, he said he hasn't made a decision yet on changing the 20 Husband of fame clothes horse and Instagram troll Louise Linton said that there are more important things to do at the moment. Specifically, he said, quotes, ultimately we will be looking at this issue. It's not something I'm focused on at the moment, unquote. 
Harriet Tubman, of course, was an escaped slave and hero of the abolitionist cause, which led up to the Civil War. The current face of the $20 bill is Andrew Jackson, a U.S. president whose pre-Civil War administration was in some historical circles said to be dedicated to extension of white supremacy. He also once killed a guy in a duel. That could be a plus or minus, depending on your point of view. Finally, gas prices might not be the only market that's going to affect our day-to-day lives in the near future. There's also the uh, avocado market. Looks like beleaguered Mexican food chain Chipotle Mexican Grill's profitability might be severely impacted in the near term due to the recent surge in avocado prices. This is prompting bearish Chipotle speculators to load up on short positions. Avocado prices have surged 75% since the start of July amid disappointing harvests in Mexico and California. The green fruit is the primary ingredient in guacamole and accounts for about 10% of Chipotle's food costs. Financial analytics firm S3 Partners noted that the restaurant sector in general has seen an increase in short interest over the last month due to disappointing same-store sales and overall customer demand in 2017. He said, I, I don't care if they lay me off either because I told, I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time than... Then, I, then I'm quitting. I'm going to quit. And, and I told Dom, too, because they've moved my desk four times already this year, and I used to be over by the window, and I could see the squirrels, and they were married, but then they switched. See? Hey, thanks, everybody. This has been Offbeat Wall Street. If you like the show, please do go to iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe. While you're there, go ahead and rate and review the show. Good ratings help others discover it. It is very helpful, and be sure to let all your friends know. Check out our site at offbeatwallstreet.com. Follow us on Twitter, of course. And we always want to thank the big BS, Brian Stewart, for heaping all of these fine words and co-production onto the podcast. And, of course, thank you to RTT News for the news and stats used in this here show. For up-to-date info on the markets, check them out right now at rttnews.com. And as we say goodbye, you know, I know the unemployment rate is sitting at 4.4%. It's normally pretty good, but we said here before that the jobless rate number can mask a lot of weakness in the employment market, but that's no reason to have a negative attitude about things. Good luck with your layoffs, all right? I hope your firings go really well. Have a great week, everybody.
All we ever wanted for you was to be world champion.